what happens when we emasculate men? What is the response to that? Just in general, collectively, what is the energy when we do that? Well, they have to gain back somehow their sense of self, their sense of being, that masculinity. So they have to raise up, like bring up that energy. So in order to bring up that energy again, it, there's this, in most cases, like rage, right? So then it becomes rage against rage. So there's feminists that are this feminist like uh, rage going against the masculine toxic rage. And that's boom, you're seeing it all over the world. But that's what I was doing, not only to myself, but men. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. In this episode, I had a powerful discussion with Sarah Gustafson. I've got to tell you, this is one of my top three, if not my favorite episode to date. It was powerful. It was impactful. And you know what? We were both crying at certain points of it. It's just, I hope you feel the same way. I can't wait to share it with you. Before we get into it though, I do want to send a huge thank you to Betsy Murphy, who gave me a recent review on Apple iTunes. Betsy says, I've been dancing with Amy for over a decade. She's amazing. But in addition to her workouts, Amy is always sharing her knowledge and inspiring others to live their best lives. This new podcast world is allowing her to share more and to a wider audience. Take advantage. I have spent many long walks with this new podcast, listening and learning. Her topics are on target and her guests interesting. Don't miss out. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Betsy Murphy. I really appreciate it. The reviews are so important for the show's success, and they really motivate me to keep going. So let's get into today's episode. Sarah Gustafson is a Czech practitioner, instructor, and a research analyst in all fields of exercise and health sciences. As a holistic practitioner and through her work as an educator and counselor, Sarah draws from a wide background in exercise science and kinesiology, holistic nutrition, metaphysical and somatic psychology, as well as integrative transformational therapy, gaining her a doctorate in philosophy. And she specializes in metaphysical counseling as well. She is the author and creator of Holistic Health and Performance for Women, which is a course program published through the Czech Institute. And it happens to be the first of its kind to outline every variation that sets women apart on a psychological, musculoskeletal, limbic, somatic, biochemical, and even cellular level from men. She also runs Primal Fusion with her husband and partner, Alex, which is an online program. And she focuses her continued research in order to achieve the highest integrity, blending science and spirituality for work with individuals and people seeking 
to embrace the unseen, repressed aspects of the self as a pathway to connection, healing, and awakening. Wow, this gal is a powerhouse. Let me tell you, we are in good hands. So some of the things that we discuss in this episode include Sarah's path from pain to purpose and how she overcame multiple health afflictions and challenges to get there. Why addressing only the root cause of a problem is not enough. Why Sarah had to go on a learning diet or a learning fast to help her overcome her perfectionistic and overachiever personality. The connection between your favorite childhood movie and how that can provide you very valuable insight into your soul path now. Sarah's formula for finding your purpose. And Sarah gets super real and vulnerable and shares with us her personal experience with being a victim of sexual assault and how that caused her to develop a defense mechanism where she was living in an over-masculinized state and sent off this external vibe to the world of uh, over-masculinized personality. We also talk about the toxic masculine and some of the ways we as women can unintentionally perpetuate that. Learning about the difference between the male and the female and those powerful polarities and how we can learn from nature how to balance our own. The correlation between our menstrual cycles as women and powerful archetypes. The four main feminine archetypes all women should know. And Sarah addresses women who feel more aligned with their masculine essence and as who they are and their expression in the world and as she felt that way herself and how it's important to be yourself and how that's perfectly okay. And finally, both Sarah and I share our top tips that we do personally to help keep our masculine and feminine energy and balance in the real world, being that we're both women who run businesses and are very high achievers, but how we still keep that feminine essence and the balance in the way that we are in the world. This one's super powerful. Again, one of my favorites. I'd love to hear what you think about it. Please enjoy, please share it and sending lots of love. Let's go now talk with Sarah Gustafson. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, my friend, give us a background on who you are and what you're doing and what makes your spirit sing. I am a Czech practitioner. Um, I've been a Czech practitioner for many years now, but I started that journey back in 2010, I believe, um, maybe a little bit earlier, I, but I was also simultaneously back in school, uh, university, um, Tech, or Texas State University. So that, that was my third round of university. I kind of hopped around for about 12 years, university programs, and um and I really found my footing with the Czech Institute after uh, discovering, after, wow, years and years of trying to reverse autoimmune inflammation and disease and after having two children. Um, and so I have 
quite a, a couple of former lives in, um, you know, working on the Hill in DC and venture capital and, uh, you know, law enforcement and, uh, you know, working in uh, forensics and psychology and social justice and all of those things. But it really was and always has been um, in my heart and made, has made my heart sing to pursue what makes the body work because my body never really worked since the age of about eight years old. I well, I started getting sick when I was seven, but ended up in children's ICU when I was eight. And from that time on, I just, my body never worked right. And I was always in and out of hospitals and always homesick and always on medications. And it just, um, by the time I was 24, 25, I just, I was, really burnt out and felt like I'm way too young to feel this old and way too many medications. And I couldn't tell if it was the medications making me feel this way, or if it was the illnesses making me feel this way, or was I even sick at this point? So I had, I just quit cold Turkey and, and, and decided to do all my own research and figured out that uh, going to sleep and getting sleep and drinking water and uh, not eating terrible uh, foods that were bad for me and all these things began to very slowly reverse how I felt and um, and then as painful as it was I something in me just really pushed me to to start lifting weights and doing resistance training and that was like the final thing that that really increased my vitality and around that time I started studying a lot of um, you know, bodybuilding uh, upper echelons. And that's how I happened upon Paul check and, and started watching some of his videos. And I said, he's talking about the stuff that took me years to figure out um, to reverse my, my illnesses and my pain. And, and uh, so that's really what got me on the Czech Institute train. And, and now I'm writing courses for the Czech Institute and teaching and, here I am on my sanctuary, uh, sharing all of that love with the world. And you're now located in Texas, right? Austin, right now? Texas. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, you know, it's such a common story that so many people in the holistic health profession of like me included, that, you know, we got here from our own struggles, our own personal health challenges. I hear it all the time. And, you know, that famous archetype of the wounded healer is truly mm -hmm. the most effective one. The person that has walked the walk you're on and has, you know, faced those dragons and the dark night of the soul and all those frustrations and pain and problems and kind of found their own way on their journey and now is on the other side of it. And when, when you have that kind of uh, like new life and just new experience and new way to feel and be and look, it's like, you just can't help but want to share it with others. Like, look what I discovered. It's like, you found a treasure and you're like, how can I keep this all to myself? There's so much here. I must share it, you know, and you want to then, you know, pass it on to others. And it's so inspiring that that happened to you because anyone watching the YouTube channel will see you're the epitome of a beautiful, healthy woman who is just so super scary, smart as well. And <laughs> a, super, a super mom and just a, su and a super successful businesswoman and a wonderful marriage and 
you are just an achiever on every level and it's so inspiring and there's no way you can be the package that you are, Sarah, if you didn't live this lifestyle, right? Because the mind, body, spirit, the diet, the sleep, the water, how your brain thinks. Can you share with us a little bit about what you've learned about how you maintain yourself to, to be able to operate at the level that you do? Yeah, as you were saying all of those things, you know, first of all, it, um, it I, I, I was holding back tears and they're going to probably start flowing now. Oh God, that'll make because two of us then. You're going to get those things <laughs> About um, the, the observations you have of my successes. I, for, until I was probably 30, I'm 41 now. 30, maybe, no, maybe I was about 30 to 33. I, I'd never believe, truly believed I would ever achieve any of this ever. Um, because even though I was around 25 years old, I began to start reversing my inflammation and health symptoms. Uh, you know, another layer of my fire walk was being in a relationship that in a marriage that I, you know, wasn't good for me or him. Right. Uh, but it was just, uh, I didn't believe I could be where I am now. And when you say that, yes, I, I do want to share this. I, I, the, the wisdom and the experiences that I have gone through to finally figure out and get where I am is, I, yes, I like it's almost uncontrollable. I have to share it, but also the the other parallel to that it's it's because I have been in so much pain and I went through it for so long, and the darkness was so perpetual and so chronic, and the cycles just would repeat and repeat. I'd have moments of coming up for air, and then I drown again, and I don't want others to go through it. I don't, I see people going through it and I, I can, you know, it's not that I'm an empath. It's because I was that. And I, so I can tap in, I feel what they're feeling and I don't want them to go through it. I, I, it's, you know, why, why, if I know how to help, why, why, why just allow that suffering to continue? And I got locked up in a lot of the um, well-intentioned but misinformed and misleading healthcare system that continued to perpetuate my problems and even in so many cases made them worse. And I, I just, I see this, I see it. And I, for anyone who wants to get out of it, I, I want, and I can help. And so, yeah, like you, it's just, how can you not, how, how can you not? Yes. And mm -hmm. compassion and, um, you know, just a sense of empathy and just seeing other people suffer. It's like, you know, who, who with a moral conscience wouldn't help, you know, if you've got the life preserver and someone's drowning, I mean, you know, you, I couldn't live with myself and, you know, to be living, living proof of how it works is, I mean, there's nothing more powerful, right? I mean, you have to, like I always say in all my shows, you must consider the source of any information that you're getting before you evaluate the authenticity and the validity and the effectiveness of the information, you know, you have to consider the source and success leaves clues. 
you know, so, and that's why I preface it by saying, you know, if anyone watching on YouTube can see you're just the epitome of a, you know, a beautiful, healthy, sharp uh, woman that is uh, extremely articulate and also just well accomplished and just keeping it all together at a very high level, because um, in addition to being a mom and a wife and all the things you do, you are one of the uh, Czech um, practitioners that are one of the trainers, right? Or could you explain that to us a little bit about your, your jobs, <laughs> what high level they are, in addition to writing courses for the Czech Institute? And by the way, sorry, sorry, but just to, for the audience, Czech Institute, please explain what that is and what the Czech stands for. Um, a Czech Institute, um, it was founded by Paul Czech. Um, and, uh, you know, when I started, they, C-H-E-K also stands for Corrective uh, Holistic Exercise Kinesiology. And um, as a practitioner, you know, we're looking at um, all of the, you know, meta, the before and after, you know, a lot of people look at the symptom and all of the mechanisms of how the symptom works and how we can fix the symptom where as a Czech practitioner, we'll look at what came before the symptom and then potentially after, the, you know, what can lead up after as a result of letting the symptom continue. So mm-hmm. the before and after the symptoms just in the middle here. It's so the something now. came it's before. The, it's the now, the, the snapshot yeah. of the now. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't do something, many things are coming after and many things may also already be happening. So we can't just address the root cause to work on the symptom because something else and many things may also be going on that we're not aware of also. So we need to address that. So it's, it's quite the meta analysis of the body and mind, uh, spirit, soul, everything as a whole. And when I say, you know, some, some people get a little bit put off, like, what do you mean? The mind, body, and the spirit and the soul. Um, it's a little bit woo. Well, when I say the, the, the mind is because the thoughts, thoughts produce our behaviors, behaviors produce what we do to ourselves, right? What we do to ourselves and the choices we make create our biological responses in the bodies, you know, your heart rate goes up, you start sweating, or your digestion is off. That's all a Uh, something came before that that's meta and it's usually your thoughts. It's usually your attitudes, perceptions, your beliefs about something, your beliefs about when you should eat, why you should eat that, why you should not eat that. What all those things, that's the mind. And, um, and then the spirit and the soul is really spirit is, is anything that is in spirits you and spirited means, you know, uh, energy force, motivation, action, anything that puts you into action and, and soul is truly your passion, what you love. So we don't give you anything uh, to do that, that isn't going to really align with, with your passions or something you love. You hate running, then we're not going to tell you to go run. You're not going to do it. If you hate eating, you know, X, Y, Z, I'm not going to tell you to eat X, Y, Z, because you're not going to do it. So it really, those are just very minor examples because really I could go all day about that. But um, so that's kind of what, uh, you know, in terms of the Czech Institute and how we work with individuals and clients and patients, it's, it's very, it's no stone unturned. 
is, is really how I could put it. And it, it really uh, aligns with me because I've always been an investigator. I've always been, a, you know, as a former research analyst, I love research. I love digging into every single detail and um, micro everything. You know, I like seeing the macro. I like seeing the micro. And that's how, as a Czech practitioner, we work. We look at every single detail and we also apply it to the, the macro, the big picture. And so um, that's part of why it's so successful for people yeah. as, as clients and patients, you know, the, why it gets so much results and people you can't heal. fail. You, mm-hmm. you yeah. just cannot fail. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so different than, you know, conventional medicine, unfortunately, but maybe that'll be changing right. soon. Um, I think it is becoming the new conventional uh, uh, rapidly. Uh, and so, yeah. And, and, and as um, a Czech practitioner too, like the, part of the biggest part of my job is research. Cause that just is what I love to do. I, I, it, it is my passion. I know it, it overuses my, my mind and my brain, but that is my gift. I have a very powerful mind and I've been told, you know, before that I need to uh, relax it and quiet it. And, you know, Paul check himself even made me go on a learning fast. Oh, wow. Uh, some people need to go on certain uh, diet elimination, mm-hmm. or, um, wow. you know, um, things like that. Or, but I had to go on a learning fast because I was just I was consuming too much information, um, and that was very powerful for me. But I, it is just a part of my gift. It is part of my purpose. Uh, so that is part of my job is to uh, sift information and. I enjoy it. And even with my practice that my husband, Alex, and I run, he's a master check practitioner level four. And he's also an instructor for the Institute. We, we run our practice primal fusion here in Austin, Texas. We have a sanctuary in South Austin. Um, and together we, we kind of are the, a very good fit because I'm the details person. I really like doing all the, you know, figuring out of things than the writing and the putting courses together, putting programs together. Whereas Alex is very hands-on. And um, so that's really how we work. We do the courses. I write the courses. He teaches. Um, so we're, we're a very, very good team together. What a great fit. I mean, you guys are like the dream team. How inspiring in so many ways, Sarah. I just love the story. And I also love how um, you gave the backstories to kind of, this is what people are seeing now, but it's not where you've been and, you know, how you got here to give them hope, you know, depending on where they're from listening right now or watching right now that, yeah, I mean, you might think this woman has it all, isn't that great, but it wasn't always so, so you know, you, you got there and from hearing you, right. You got there by following what you were passionate about, what you were interested in, and then dealing with your own health issues. So you had to find your own answers because you weren't finding answers. And that just led you down one rabbit hole to another, to where you are now, or I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like that's what I'm hearing just so we can help other people who are in it to kind of climb out of it, to, to, to be eventually where you are now. How, how did you actually do that? Um, 
<laughs> it's hilarious. We, you know, it's funny. I do a um, exercise with my clients when I'm working uh, with archetypes and I ask them what their favorite movie was as a, as a child. Um, and we try to pinpoint like, you know, let's, let's think about maybe like six, five, five to seven years old. Like what's, what was like a movie or show you, you could have watched over and over and over again. It's usually hard for people to pinpoint, but for me, it was, it was Alice in Wonderland. I had, I like, I you look like her. <laughs> <laughs> You were right? Alice in Wonderland. And I, yeah, all I need is a little black headband, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I watched that movie so many times just, and, and it was, when it was over and the credits, was, I rewind the VHS and just over and over. And I can even in my mind, remember this horrible VHS tape and it had the little white lines crossed. Sometimes mm -hmm. it was really bad quality. And my mom would be a little concerned, you know, let's watch Mary Poppins, you know, mm -hmm. but that's how I got here. It was literally like Alice in Wonderland over and over and over. Like just, I was so curious, but I just kept going down the wrong path, taking the wrong little treat, doing, you know, just following the wrong things, the, you know, the wrong clues, and then sitting there like crying and sobbing and then drowning in my own tears. So trial and error. And you kept constantly, going. Constantly, yeah. constantly. Yeah. But I was just always so curious. And if you, anyone who's watching like or listening knows the movie Alice in Wonderland very well, it's true. Like she was just so curious. And no matter what, how she got into these little hijinks and realized she's in the wrong place. It's the wrong thing, the wrong people. She's still asking questions and she's learning something. Mm -hmm. um, and she would take that along to the next thing and she'd get frustrated and she, you know, her and the Cheshire cat would have their little thing and she'd just, she'd wallow in herself a little bit and then she'd move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So that was how I got here. It was just, just over and over again, one thing after another. And it really did start when I got sick at eight years old. And I, I was just always sick. I, I missed so much school. I think it was by the time I was in 10th grade, a counselor was telling my mother that I had missed a, a, an average of 65% of my school year. I was just getting Simon sent home and I didn't have terrible grades, but then that produced this, this mentality of mine that I, like, I always felt I was behind because I always missed school. I had migraines. I was always, you know, I played soccer. I loved soccer. That was my joy, but I was always fracturing or spraining something, um, missing practices, whatever. And it was just, I always felt like I was catching up all the time, which produced this like overachiever sickness in me and this perfectionist in me, because I didn't want to be seen as a less than, and, and hence the 12 years in college and three different majors and mm -hmm. six different minors and jumping from career to career, I just, I was always overachieving, always trying to do more than I should, which probably made my illnesses worse. I was put on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, steroids, uh, antibiotics. I was on 
painkillers and I was on um, arthritis medications by the time I was 25. I was taking, I think a, a total of 11 prescriptions by the time I was 24. And it was just, I couldn't even keep up with everything. It was, I had fibromyalgia. That was probably the most frustrating thing for me. And because after I'd had my first daughter in 2005, being in pain all the time, working in venture capital in DC and, and breastfeeding and just trying to maintain 12 hours a day, but always being in pain. Um, oh. And um, her father just at the time, he didn't have a lot of sympathy for that because it's a very invisible um, affliction, fibromyalgia, and there's no explanation for it. And they finally, they tried me on everything. And finally they put me on Cymbalta. It's an antidepressant. It's an SSRI. And, and there were some, you know, short-lived studies showing a little bit of improvement of the pain on those. They're like, let's just try it. And by uh, the end of week two, I had suicidal thoughts and it was just so not me. That was my wake up call. I'm, I'm sitting there on, um, in Annapolis, my office window faced the, the bay, the most beautiful thing you'd ever see, just sailboats and ducks bobbing up and down on the water. And you could hear the little bells out there and cobblestone. It was just the most beautiful thing. And I looked out the window and I just wanted to die. And it was, there were, it was like a split consciousness, like, voice in me going like, why, why do you want to? But the other part of me is like, I don't want to be here. And how can I make that happen in the least painful way? And I, I went home and I just poured all my medication down the toilet and flushed it. It was just, and I decided that day, I'm like, I'm not taking any medication ever again. I don't care how much pain I'm in and, and what it takes. This, this, this has to end. I'm 25 years old. I have the cutest, giggliest, fattest, most adorable baby who just loves me <laughs> and, a, and a great career. I was making a ton of money and like I had everything like what's going on. I'm not going to allow this to happen anymore. And I just said, this is it. And, and, and a lot of the studies and research and the information like Google wasn't what it is now back then. This is 2005. A lot of the stuff I had to go to the library for, and I had to use my time going to, you know, libraries or sifting through Barnes and Noble with my kid in the stroller and really, really doing work to find information. You did the work. That's what I I'm did. hearing you say is you didn't give up. You kept going forward in spite of all the hits and you did the work. You didn't just put on the victim hat or the poor me, or it's biology, or it's this, it's that. And you just, Sarah, what, what was the drive in you? Like, what is it? What just your soul, like just urging you on, like, come on, you can do this. You got this, keep going. Don't give up. Like what kept you going? I think, well, it was, you know, the, the, there's this saying of like, why, why am I here? Like mm -hmm. if this, there's so much suffering, if I'm here, am I here just to suffer? Am I here just to be a, a blob, like a burden to everybody? 
and, and which I often felt like I was mm-hmm. the youngest of four. And uh, my father traveled a lot. He was a salesman. So he was overseas a lot. And so that kind of made my mom a single mom with four kids. And me being the youngest, I, I did definitely feel like a burden all the time. And that that really did a number on putting some complexes in there. And I did, yeah, there's that question of why am I even like, what, what's, what is my purpose and why am I here? And I had always lots of dark thoughts of, but there was always something that was very like, I don't want to die. Like I, I could never actually make myself be gone. Like, cease to exist. Like that could, that's, that was something that was never, ever a thought. It, I, it was just pure exhaustion. And I would wish upon myself some kind of a disease that would just take me like, just please, like, just relief. Let's get this over. Yeah, with. I just wanted like, the relief. Why? Mm-hmm. What did, what did I do in a past life? You know, I would always have mm-hmm. these conversations. Mm-hmm. And when I was 16, I remember having a very profound experience where I heard singing in one of these like desperate, like uh, moments where I'm just crying <laughs> and I could hear like, um, it was, uh, I can't even explain the singing. It was like a high pitched, it was like hundreds of voices just tuning in together um, collectively all around me, it was like a choir. And it was so soothing and my whole body got warm. And all I could think was this, this must be angels. I was thinking that sounds angelic. And so then I got really into angels. And I think for a 16 year old, who just didn't, you know, puberty and going through a lot, on steroids and antidepressants, super awkward. I I felt like this was my, I I need to learn about this being a researcher. Mm -hmm. So I researched everything about angels learned. I had this book. I remember I said, how to talk to your angels. And I began to like do it. (laughs) And I was receiving, I was receiving little answers. And I think that really kicked off something in me. And I think that's what kept me going all the time. Because that became like an um, an innate, almost unconscious thing that was always going and always playing when things got really heavy, overwhelming, or exhausting for me. That it would kick back up in me to to tap in to my angels or whoever, whatever was here to support me. Whether it's a tree, God, my angels, whoever, my soul, me. I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't really have those answers figured out. Maybe I still don't, but whatever it was, that's what kept me going. And um, so when I had that really dark moment in my office of like, I want to die. I think that was the other thing that said, why would you want? And, and made me go home and throw my pills out. I think that's what that was. Mm -hmm. So I've just always had that connection and that's what kept me going as any time I've been so exhausted and just done. I now in hindsight, look back and go, there is a very 
important, heavy, great purpose for me to be here. I have a mission. I'm, I'm, and I'm going to serve it. I'm going to do well, and I'm going to hold myself to that standard. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And I think everybody has it. And once they find it and they tap into it, nothing, absolutely nothing can, can uh, stand in their way. So instead of asking, why am I, you know, why do, why do I have to be here? I just want to die. Ask yourself, what are you willing to die for? Mm. What would you be willing to die for? And then and there's, and if you don't know the answer, you got to find out that answer. Yeah. And, and then another clue also is just look at all of your unhealed wounds. Look at all of the challenges, challenges you've gone through in your life that you have overcome. And there, there's your, your purpose that your, your gifts are in there somewhere because that was your training ground and therein lies your training ground. So um, your, your purpose is somewhere keyed in. There's a clue there for your purpose. Brilliant. And I'll just say back when you were saying about your angelic support that, uh, you know, we all need to feel supported in some way. And I never really can understand how people don't have some sort of belief in some sort of powerful force benevolent, benevolent force of love, spirit, whatever you want to call it, that is there and is the creator and is just to give meaning and reason to why we're all here, but that loves us. And again, is benevolent and wants what's best for us. We're not here to suffer. You know, what, what are we here for? But if we don't feel like we have something supporting us and maybe it's not the the bigger thing of like a spirit, if you will, it's just a loved one or partner, a, a friend, somebody that we, we need to feel supported in some way. And so many people feel very isolated, very alone, very unsupported, very lost. And, you know, just having that, that agony of why am I even here? No one would even know if I'm gone or care if I'm gone, no one really loves me. So Tell us, Sarah, about how uh, you've mentioned that you you managed to uh, realize that you were in some ways victimizing yourself in your life. I think it's very powerful and props to you for admitting that and realizing that, that we often do that, right? We, we victimize ourselves. We, we, t- we tend to put the blame out there on someone else or a situation or whatever, but we fail to sometimes think about, well, how would I be doing the same thing to myself unconsciously? Or, you know, so can you share with us a little bit how you came to that realization of how you were victimizing yourself unintentionally? Yeah. I mean, there's just so many cases in which I did this. Um, um, And very most recently, I would say in my thirties and also my twenties, but, uh, I went through, I'll, I'll try and come up with the most probably relevant one for most of those who are probably listening and watching was my relationship to men. Um, and in high school, I, I was sexually assaulted uh, more than once. And I decided that, you know, well, I didn't decide, I think I just, unconsciously in terms of 
creating a barrier and a defense around my, my psyche and my body created this boundary of instilling this belief that my sexuality is a target. And so therefore I should not, you know, I shouldn't have a sexuality, right? And so that's what I did. I made myself as asexual as possible. I made myself as masculine as possible. And I created a tough exterior. And up until I was probably 36, not very long ago, most of my friends and family and community who knew me well, colleagues, uh, peers in, in the industry, all, all knew me as a very tough, like, don't, don't, don't mess with her. <laughs> you know, no one wanted to even try to flirt with me or that was like, I was always an off limits woman. And if I had photo shoots or anything like that, no one ever dared ask me to, um, you know, take my tank top off. Yeah, like, cause I put out that vibe very, <laughs> just vigilantly um, because I saw my sexuality as some kind of a weapon or some sort of an invitation to being um, targeted or weaponized like against. And in turn, how that victimized me, how I victimized myself in doing that, I created this idea that men were the weapon themselves, men in themselves in general, somehow were the threat. And my sexuality was the threat. So overall, our sexualities are a threat to my safety, my autonomy, my whole being. And in there we go, another layer. So I just need to wipe away my beingness. So if I just stop being, I'm safe. And if I can stop any man from being, I'm safe. And the way I did that was by victimizing men. And let me explain that. If a man so much as looked at me, in any kind of way, or for too long, or in any way that I perceived to be uh, inviting something, or smiling, <laughs> like, who do you think you are, right? It, I just tore him down with my looks. I emasculated them. And that is, like, that is a way of victimizing men. And that is something not too many people talk about, but we need to, we need to be accountable for that. I had to be accountable for that. What happens when we emasculate men? What is the response to that? Just in general, collectively, what is the energy when we do that? Well, they have to gain back somehow their sense of self, their sense of being, that masculinity. So they have to raise up, like bring up that energy. So in order to bring up that energy again, it, th there's this 
in most cases, like rage, right? So then it becomes rage against rage. So there's feminists that are this feminist, like uh, rage going against the masculine toxic rage. And that's boom, you're seeing it all over the world. But that's what I was doing, not only to myself, but men. So here I am thinking I'm a victim, poor me. And in turn, I was victimizing myself by erasing my beingness, my, my truth, which then in turn was victimizing men. And I look back and I just like, <laughs> I'm going to fight back tears again. I don't want to say I'm ashamed of it. I'm just not proud of it. And I, I'm just very sorry to every single man and even boy on campus at Texas A&M or Blinn College or Texas State. I'm, I'm just, I'm so sorry <laughs> standing in line at Whole Foods or whoever, you know, I'm sorry for the way I made you feel. <laughs> it was totally my intention and I just didn't know better. And I'm so sorry. It's just, I look back and I feel it. I feel it. And it wasn't right. And I know deep down how it made them feel. And I feel into all the men in the world and how they're being made to feel. And it just hurts. Because when I flipped the coin, I know how it felt when my sexuality was used against me. So, yeah, that's how I victimized myself. And in, in the process of it, I victimized other people. Well, like they say, hurt people hurt people, you Absolutely. know, and you were, as you said, you were sexually assaulted. So you, you your motivation was protection, self-protection. So you went on the offense to create a defense. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, you know, we, we do things like this when we don't know any other recourse, Sarah, you know, mm -hmm. that's what I've learned is that, you know, that's a big part of the show is in, even is to try to give people tools and resources to make their lives better, to be the person they want to be, to live the life they want to live, to contribute to growth and healing and love in the world. That's what this show is all about. And, um, you know, it's just so, it's such a difficult path, you know, this thing called life. And, um, you know, I certainly had my own hits as well. And, and I resonate so much with your story because I've definitely done the same thing. I mean, I, 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 it's, again, I'm ashamed to admit it as you were, but, uh, you know, being on the, on the receiving end of uh, some of the abuse and, you know, terrible things that happened to me throughout my life you know, you, you go on the offense and I definitely, you know, did the same thing that hearing your story, I'm like, God, I did that too to men, you know, and just, I guess felt threatened by their strength sometimes. So I had to, I had to cut it down or, mm -hmm. you know, make fun yeah. of it or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, God, how, uh, how horrible that was to do to someone else. Like it's, you know, insecure people are, threatened by strong people, you know? So the best thing you do is 
make them not feel strong. So you feel more safe, you know, um, you know, think about anybody that's jealous of somebody else, whatever. Well, the first thing they're going to do is make fun of them or criticize them or cut them down or whatever Find it may be. Wrong with them, right? Yeah. I mean, a, yeah. a strong person who's sovereign in the, who they are in themselves can deal with competition and good competition. And, you know, because they're not threatened by someone else being their best, you know, um, that's how you really know somebody who's sovereign in themselves. So Sarah, how did you forgive yourself for that? Have you come to the place where you've forgiven yourself so you can heal? Oh, yeah, I, I, I have forgiven myself. And the, you know, it was so beautiful when I did, you know, and the tears I feel it's just because of the love. I, it's, yeah, it's not I that I feel still walking around like, oh, I can't believe I did. Yeah. I, it, it, I have, I have forgiven myself. It's just, I still feel deeply what I, what they must've felt. And they may, you know, to this day, like, so, you know, if they were to look mm -hmm. back on it and be like, whatever, but the, their soul knows, right? Their soul knows. And I feel that. That's what mm -hmm. I feel. And the collective feels mm -hmm. that. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah. And I contributed. I contributed to that. And I have remorse. I don't have shame. I, there's no guilt. It's just a deep sense of remorse. And I find that to be very healthy, regardless of the forgiveness I have of myself, because that that holds me accountable. And it helps me to maintain an alignment to my values, that sense of remorse. But when I came to this realization, I was able to truly forgive the man who sexually assaulted me because then it was full circle. So if you can forgive yourself, how can you not ding, forgive the, anyone who then may have victimized you or may have done anything wrong upon another? Because when you feel truly, truly that love, that self-love, and what I mean by this, by self-love, this took Paul quite a while to get me to understand this, is true acceptance, true affection, uh, like a true alliance with yourself. You're, you're the longest relationship you're ever going to have. So you better align and form an alliance with you. And when you have that real forgiveness for something you did, that means that you are actually truly, number one, being accountable. You're fully aware of everything that you were a part of, everything that you, um, your, your thoughts, your actions, your behaviors, the decisions, the choices, everything that you did and created and the consequences of those you recognize it, you're aware of it, and you feel into that, and you know, and you say, I understand why I did that, but also I have this remorse, and you give yourself a love for that, and you compassion. When you do that, there's a sudden awakening of now I know why 
so-and-so or so-and-so or Tom or Rebecca did what they did for me. You have that, like it's instantaneous. The, the man who sexually assaulted me or the boy at the time, it was an inst- it was just simultaneously when I had that moment of like holding compassion for myself, it was just within that moment. I had the same amount of love at the same time for myself and for the boy who is now a man, but, and I, it was, and I'm having it now. It was just so, it was a beautiful union of the two of us, just me loving him and having compassion for him because he could not have done what he did to me. If he were not in pain, if he had not ever been in pain, if he had not experienced something, there's just no way. And now I, I, I had that realization because I also know there was no way I could have done what I did had I not come from pain. And also having a background in psychology, I, I do know markers for, you know, sociopaths and psychopaths. There's differences between the two. And he wasn't either. So I know he came from pain that had to have been pain. And I, so he and I are very similar. That's just it. And there goes the repetitive cycle. Um, emasculate a man, what's he got to do? Like if he is not healthy and, and sure of himself, he's probably going to come back with the, the toxic retaliation. And if a woman is not healthy, she's going to come back with toxic retaliation. And no woman, no woman, no matter what, deserves to be violated, abused, or assaulted, or raped. But we, we see this. It's, you know, one in three women will experience this, or one in four. But I, I think minority women experience one in three minorities, women. And there's no woman ever deserves it. But when we are not coming from a pure place, a healthy mind, spirit, heart, we're not going to treat each other right. We're not going to talk to each other right. You know, when we're scared of a man, we're going to cut down his intelligence. We're going to cut down the way he looks. We're going to cut down his family, um, you know, his clothes, his, you know, economic status, whatever. And that's cutting down his masculinity. And in order to assert his masculinity, if he's not healthy, he may then violate you in a way that as a woman, you don't like, and you don't deserve, but that's just the, the human behavior of, of polarity. And if you watch nature, nature doesn't care. <laughs> nature just does not care. And, and I, I have so many deer in my yard. I watch it all the time. <laughs> um, I watch them through the summer and into the fall, the female, the doe, they, they beat up the men all through the summer and fall. And then when the winter comes, it's the opposite. We have all of the male deer just running around raping the doe in our backyards mm-hmm. all through winter. And that's just nature. 
and and then the little babies are running around in May and you know it's just not I'm not making light of it I'm just saying in nature you watch polarity and that's that is the nature of masculine and feminine and so if you're not coming from a healthy place it's going you're going to see the negative toxic traits of polarity play out and it's no one's fault if they don't know and if they don't understand and, and um, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You know, nature is our greatest teacher. I say it probably in every episode, if you want to learn how to live or how to find harmony, balance, peace, just get your feet in the grass, get outside away from technology, look at some trees, breathe some air and just be still and be quiet and just observe, just observe what's happening and, and how it's happening. You'll start to see patterns. You'll start to understand. And it's just so simple and it's right in front of us all yeah. the time. You know, everything we're really seeking is right there. We yeah. just have to prioritize like, and, and uh, respect that this is a source. This is something to be um, revered and learned from and appreciated and, and modeled after. And, um, I've had very similar um, uh, epiphanies, if you will, happen to me in nature. And I'm learning now about, uh, I love to feed the birds in my backyard. And I'm actually, my ears can distinguish the different birds by the way they sound now. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, that bird sounds a certain way. This one sounds a different way. Their behaviors, and it's so great. You gave the example about the male and female deer. And I noticed too about the difference with the male and female birds and uh, their little relationships and the way they treat each other very differently. Mm -hmm. Like just this morning, I was in my bathroom and I heard this peck, 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 like some kind of pecking on the wood. And I look out and there was this, this bird that was apparently the female because it didn't have the bright, vibrant color that the male did. And she was working away, pecking this little wooden deck door I had. I think she was trying to build a nest. And the male was on guard, this beautiful male. He had red in him, and black and white. And, uh, and he was kind of like on guard, like being the watchdog, if you would, while mm -hmm. she was working away. And then, you know, he'd go close to her and she'd like peck at him and leave <laughs> and they were fighting back and forth. It's just so cool. And I noticed like cardinals are so different than male and female. The female is much more um, brave. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's not only her color is more, um, you know, uh, muted, like a, yeah. like a dull gray, although her beak is bright orange. Mm -hmm. um, she had a little undertone of red in her wings, but she, they're the, the female are the first, cause I hear them coming before I see them. Cause I know their sound. She's the first to come and eat. And the male, I can see the beautiful, gorgeous, vibrant red male cardinal in the tree, a little distance away watching as she's, you know, having a full breakfast and he then comes after her. So she's the brave one. So it's just very interesting yep. to see the polarity in nature on how, yes, we're different, but it's beautiful because it's complementary. It's mm -hmm. not competitive. They work together to live this harmonious life. It's so beautiful to learn from nature right in front of your eyes if you pay attention. Yep. Absolutely. And the way, like even where trees pop up and the types of trees that'll pop up and where they go and how they grow and, you know, where the branches go. And 
Like, you, you know, there's, there's a speech that I love. I play all the time. If, you know, things get a little like, you know, wearing me down a bit, but part of the speech says, you know, that nature never boxes itself in never, never, no matter what humans try to do to this planet, nature never boxes itself in. And it's always expanding. And so we, in, in central Texas, we have a lot of rock and our soil is, um, we have a lot of limestone because having been underwater, um, when the water receded, it, that the sand kind of just hardened and created all this limestone. So it's very like thick, um, hard soil. And so where we are in our sanctuary here, and we're backed up to this Creek, there's just tons of rocks and there are trees that are literally growing out of rocks, like out of a rock, <laughs> like this is possible. Massive. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, okay. You know, so the next time I think I can't do something, mm. I'm like, I'm going to think about that tree. <laughs> Life finds a way. Life finds this a way. rock open. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> this yep. little twig somehow split open a, this this rock, this, this huge boulder. And it just went. Well, you know what? That's an analogy for your life, my friend. Cause I right. just got a vision of that's you. Remember I said in the beginning of the show, <laughs> what drove you, what, what kept you going through all the shit you were dealing with. And you are the little twig growing through that rock. And now you're this huge, beautiful tree. And it's so inspiring. <laughs> Alice's hero's journey. Yeah. Yes. And that's a, that's a fun exercise to do is if you can actually remember a, your favorite movie from mm -hmm. like when you were five to seven years old, something you could watch all the time. And then you get on like your, you know, like DuckDuckGo or something and you search quotes from that movie or show, it will blow your mind how relative some of these quotes are to you. Absolutely. What you, some of them might, it might even bring you to tears of, of how relative these quotes are. It, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And even Great like idea. the nemesis to the, the story or the movie, like the, the queen of hearts was like the shadow, the nemesis, even the queen of hearts had some quotes that are just like hit me right in the heart. You know, it's just, mm. you know, and like one of her quotes when she was talking to Alice in the movie was I have, at least 12 good ideas before I eat breakfast, my dear. And it was just like, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I just, oh, I just uh, got goosebumps. I just got chills. Yeah. I think part of me remembers that too. And everybody's like, oh shit, she's the real deal. <laughs> yeah, she was the real deal. Yeah. She was very, and also she was my shadow, is my shadow mm. still to this day. Because when you start li listing out the traits and personality, like traits of, of the shadow or the nemesis, she was very assertive, very like powerful and loud and didn't, you know, she was just like, this is Confident. me and powerful, mm. you know, mm. and those are like qualities and traits that I'm not, you know, like I can be assertive, but not in a very like, mm, you know, I don't like to dominate. I don't like power. I actually try to stay away from power. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, she's very aggressive and sure of herself and, you know, selfish, greedy, you know, um, doesn't worry about stepping on the little people, those kinds of things. Definitely my shadow for mm -hmm. sure. Like mm -hmm. those are definitely my shadows. 
And you and you were Alice, right? Mm -hmm. Alice was the hero of the hero's journey. And so, yeah, it's a fun little exercise. And, and, you know, that's a great idea. Anybody listening, watching, just just go look up quotes from your favorite movie. You'll you'll be surprised. I'm going to I'm going to definitely do. That's a great idea. Uh, I need to ask you just back to the masculine feminine balance thing. When you said that you were really predominantly in your masculine uh, as a coping mechanism, like so many women do. I know I did. Um, how could you share with us some tips or tactics or methods or practices or thought patterns or affirmations or anything that helped you, uh, harmonize more of your masculine and feminine and bring your feminine on board? Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So one, um, I went through, you know, these phases of, getting back into my feminine. And one of them was using my mind, which is very masculine, but I, in researching women, I did a lot of women's studies and researching women's health. And that's where my, my course holistic health and performance for women through the Czech Institute came out is getting really familiar with the cycle of, uh, you know, menstrual cycle and all the different phases And I started to notice like not only the biophysical changes and the metabolic changes and the nerve reaction and uh, nervous system and all of the, all of the things that, that kind of go in little waves through each phase, but behavioral and that fascinated me. And so I think that really brought out uh, a little bit of my feminine, uh, as, as I started to tap into like, oh, this is like where, you know, this time the woman is very uh, earthy and really caring for herself. And she, you know, I can see, yeah, I can see that. And then moving into this phase, she's a bit more sprite and like, uh, you know, has more energy and vitality. And she's like, oh, I'm free. And then into this phase, she like these hormones are kind of playing together and man, that that's a really powerful time where she gets very like uh, competitive and focused. And it's like almost like the feminine version of the masculine, the, you know, and then moving into this phase, she's very slow and she's focused, but she's relaxed. And so she, you know, so I was like archetypes, these are, these are literally archetypes that are going throughout the phase. And wow. I never thought of it like that, Sarah. Yeah. And I was like, Mm. they they literally line up to the Mm -hmm. four main feminine. Like when we're talking about the collective, Mm -hmm. the four main feminine archetypes, I was like, holy crap, there's the mother or the Mm -hmm. creator that is in all women, the all, all feminine as the mother creator. And then there's the maiden, um, which you can also apply or adapt different names under the maiden. And she's like the free, like the innocent child. Right. Um, and then there's, you know, the wild woman, the Amazon, right. Then the one who's just like, I'm out, I know who I am. I'm individuating and I'm, I have boundaries and I'm horny and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going after for what I'm free. I'm independent. I'm powerful. Yeah, you see her as kind of like the demigoddess, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then there's the wise woman, or some call her the spinster or the crone. And so those are all the the four kind of like the main feminine archetypes. I was like, holy, mm-hmm. 
they they match they really line up to the the four phases and the that four phases of the menstrual cycle yeah yeah and i just that really I never thought of that like that that's brilliant yeah that got me wow into my feminine and then so great. i started to feel like well maybe is something wrong with me cuz i'm not really into the maiden you know like <laughs> um, you know, i don't i don't particularly wear dresses or jewelry or paint my nails or, you know, I don't wear a lot of makeup and I don't, it's just not, it's not my thing. And so I really looked into that. I've I've been studying Carl Jung. I don't know for, I don't know how long for probably 20 years. And it, it, you know, I, I started really diving back into his stuff. And then I started getting out my Marion Woodman books and trying to probably validate myself to, if I'm being honest with you, because I, I like, I wanted to, cause I know that there are lit, there, there are health benefits for women and men too. Like if we were going to talk about it, but the benefits to the, to the body and the mind and the everything physically to be balanced in our, our feminine and masculine. And I wanted that, but I also like, I don't want to like paint my nails and wear dresses. So like, I just wanted to like validate myself. Be yourself. (laughs) Be yourself. (laughs) If you're happy, just be yourself a hundred percent. Yeah. If you're not about having, you know what, wear Mm -hmm. track pants, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like I, I did, it was just, you know, your expression of feminine can be whatever the F you want it to be. Amen. (laughs) Mic drop. Amen. Yes. Yes. You don't have to be emotional and cry and wear floral dresses and dangly earrings and, and be submissive all the time. In fact, if that is you all the time, you may be a little too much in the feminine expression. You may need to tap into that masculine, um, because we all have feminine masculine. That is your soul. Your soul is feminine masculine. And so, um, you may be denying part of yourself. And so you may want to hone that in a little Mm bit. And so, um, that, that may be some of your shadow work. Uh, and so what I found was a healthy feminine balance is about 60, 70% feminine and about 30, 40 masculine. And for me, like my, my healthy feminine expression, the hierarchy is the, the wise woman. And the wise woman yeah. is like, she kind of holds the other three underneath and works them out. Like when, when the mom needs to come in, wise woman brings in the wise in the mom. So it's mom and wise woman. That's how I express my feminine. Mm-hmm. And when the wild woman needs to come in. It's the wise woman and the wise and the wild woman and so on and so forth. But it's always wise woman standing next to one of the other archetypes. And, um, and so I've, I've always been very, uh, almost like kind of ashamed that I wasn't feminine enough. And now I realize like, that's just, this is just how I am. I am a rough and tumble, say it how it is that, you, you know, what you see is what you get. And, and I'm, I'm very straightforward. And even with my clients, when, you know, working with clients, if you, if you're trying, I I'm very upfront, like you, you, 
don't try and BS me like this. Mm -hmm. We're going to spend our time well together, but we, we also want to be efficient and get through this. So all masculine traits. Yes, mm-hmm. very much so. Mm-hmm. Like in, we're in the gonna, good way. Yeah, I can good, hold good space for you. I can be compassionate and I can be very, very loving. But if I see that mm-hmm. you're trying to BS yourself and BS mm-hmm. me, I'll, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to mm-hmm. let you know because we don't want to spend our time on that. That's mm-hmm. a waste of time. So let's get through that quickly. Uh, so it is a very masculine trait. I'm like that with my friends too. Mm-hmm. If they're neen, 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 dancing mm-hmm. around things, mm-hmm. I call them out. Mm-hmm. immediately. Um, and it can be very polarizing, but it is, you it, which see what you get. And, and that's, um, it is a masculine trait, but are I'm, you from uh, new England? <laughs> no, no, that's a very, that's a very new England, just direct, you know, just, just, you know, just tell it to me straight, you know, get to the yeah. point, you know, I'm like that too. And I've, I've backed off a little bit more and be a little <laughs> more, uh, politically correct or what's the term, uh, more, uh, uh, I don't know, just put a little more like PC. Yeah. 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 Just not as, not as direct, maybe the, to a, in a bad way, direct too direct sometimes. Well, it's funny. Cause I wasn't always like that. I always, I would always try to be nice or like avoid mm-hmm. conflict. Exactly. Oh, please. Anybody. We can go there. And I, I, oh yes. I know. All that about was my shadow. Which, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't like Paul check at first. Like I, the, mm-hmm. the curriculum, I was like hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Um, as a researcher, I'm like, I, I studied all his curriculum. I, I pulled everything out. I compared it to all the other, you know, um, programs, mm-hmm. universities, even his like Czech Institute was you, you can't compare, um, mm-hmm. you can't argue, mm-hmm. but Paul Czech was <laughs> like, mm, like, I didn't like the guy he rubbed you the wrong way. Yep. I was like, this guy is so full of himself, arrogant, <laughs> pompous, egotistical. Ugh. I hope I never have to take a class with him. Sure enough, sure enough, he taught every class that I showed up to. And I was like, I thought he wasn't teaching anymore. I thought he was off being like a celebrity, important person. Mm -hmm. And I was the only student in every single one of those classes that like at the end of class or during breaks, I booked it. I, I was, I'm, I don't want to see, no, (laughs) I'm not girl crushing on this guy. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to get pictures or be like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that was Mm -hmm. so amazing. What you said, like, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) I was out of there. I just, I was like, (laughs) Until HLC three, uh, he he just walked during lunch one day. He just walked right over there, uh, straight up to me, and just caught me off guard. And he wrapped his arms around me and whispered in my ear, like for a good like three minutes, just telling me how proud he is of me. Wow! And he's been following me for all these years. Wow! And he just wants to tell me, keep going. Just mm-hmm. keep going. He's so proud of like, he just kept like oh, for beautiful. a few minutes and then out of, I was like frozen kind of like standoffish. And then all of a sudden I just melted mm-hmm. and began to cry. And that was like the end of it. And I think, you know, at that point too, Angie and him had been um, together for a while and she softened him a bit, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, and little did you know, you had a major soul contract with him. I know? did. And now you I guys did. are like, you know, our family together which like is, a yeah so beautiful well i'll tell you one thing about the confidence is 
you got to be confident to produce and be out in the world, taking the hits like he does, you know, you gotta, you gotta believe in what you're doing. And people, I think sometimes confuse arrogance and confidence and, uh, and he is definitely an alpha male. Don't get me wrong. He calls himself the silverback gorilla for sure. (laughs) And it's all true, but you know what? He is just got the biggest heart and he is such an amazing, because I know him very closely as as you do. He's like family to me as well. I've known him for over 30 years and yeah, Yeah. I consider him absolutely family, Um, but people don't realize he's got such a huge heart. And I tell him all the time, you are such a great example of a man who's fully actualized in both his masculine and his feminine. Mm -hmm. Now, Paul definitely lives from his masculine more and certainly his public persona would be, but gosh, anybody that really listens to his work, certainly in the last five, 10 years will learn about, he's all about not only a reverence and a respect of the feminine, but also a embodiment of it in his compassion and his ability to be with people, to feel people, to be with people, to the the connection with his soul, his spirit, with God, his compassion for life and for others. I mean, these are all the feminine and um, his, and, you know, having his children also, I think helped a lot too. That Oh, uh, that softened him up too. I mean, Mana for sure. But then when Zoe came, his daughter, a ball of mush, Paul will never be the same. No. (laughs) And in a good way, you know, in a good way. He'll never be the same, but it was, it was just a a very divine thing that he Mm -hmm. ended up teaching all my courses Mm. because that was the shadow I needed to really push me out of my shadow. I I needed Mm. to bring that out of the unconscious and put that into my consciousness because that I needed to see the mirror of that because that is really truly who I am. And now so many people tell me I teach just like Paul. I coach just like Paul. You sound just like Paul. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That means years ago I would have been their money's worth. uh, screw you. What are you talking about? Because yeah, yeah, growing up evangelical Lutheran, Hmm. humility was everything. Mm -hmm. If somebody was proud, uh, ew, something Mm -hmm. mm -mm, something's wrong with that. No, mm -mm. don't, you don't, you don't your own drum. Yeah. Don't be your own drum and toot your own horn and don't shine too bright, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah. Especially as women, I think, you know, the confidence is something that, uh, you know, you can take on the B word. Uh, well, Sarah, this, this, (laughs) yeah, there you go. I just have to tell you, this has been probably, if not my favorite show, definitely one of the top three. This is, I'm not even lying. Well, you know me, I would not lie. Uh, but I'm just speaking from my heart. This has been so great. I really hope everybody listening and watching has loved it as much as I do. And I have to apologize. We actually didn't get to what we thought we were going to talk about today. So I'm glad to funny, but it always works out that way. It always works out. And here it is one of my favorite shows, but I'm going to beg you to please agree to come back so we can talk about the very, very important things that we were going to talk about that. I know you were immune system. Yes. And, and strengthening yourself so you can be as strong as possible to be healthy. Yes. I know all the X's and the Y's of the immune system. And that means the boys and the girls. Yeah. Yeah. So much to know and so much to learn. And, um, you know what, when I come back, I can do a whole 
thing on how to read um, uh, science and medical literature and how to decipher it. Like, Great. you know, what does capital E, capital R, lowercase a mean mm-hmm. when you're reading something and, mm-hmm. and you know, what's a macrophage, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. It's so important for us to really champion ourselves. And that means turning off the news and finding the science and, and really being your own champion. Uh, because man, we are getting truly like we, there's just too much noise out there. We don't know how to cipher through all of this information. We don't know what is what we don't know whether to scratch our watch or wind our butt anymore. It's, it's a mess. So, um, happy, happy to at least put some of that education, um, that I spent buttloads of money on to use and share that (laughs) with Oh my God. Yes, please. I mean, we're all about empowerment and this is just, wow, how brilliant. I'm so relieved that you're going to agree to come back very, very soon. I'm going to book that with you as soon as we finish the show today. So I I lock you in truly, (laughs) this has been just absolutely like, and like you said, it's been a, um, surprise, but an unbelievably joyful one for me. And I'm so, so grateful for you taking the time and sharing your energy, your love, your expertise, your personal story with the hopes of helping others. I really appreciate it, Sarah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Me too. Um, and one of my, I was going to share one of my favorite mm. quotes when I went back and looked at Alice in Wonderland. Mm. One of my favorite quotes was Alice said, who in the world am I? That is the greatest puzzle. And that was like one of her, her big adventures was trying to figure out who she was. And just got goosebumps. You know, with the little looking glass, the, the investigator. And, um, you know, if anybody knows what an Enneagram is, when I figured out what my Enneagram is, number five is the investigator. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So the Hierophant too, the Hierophant, the teacher. Always yep. trying to mm-hmm. to learn, and that was is the teacher. The teacher is the mm-hmm. student. Student is the teacher. Mm-hmm. So in the world, am I? That is the greatest puzzle, and that's what we are here to do. We're here to figure out who am I, what am I, what am I here to do, what am I here to give and share, and so what's important yeah. to me. Yeah, and yeah. I I know who I was when I got up this morning, but I think things must have changed since then. So we're it's just always changing. That's why nature is such a great teacher too. So, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the feminine being flexible to go with it with what's in front of you because, like what like we're saying about today's episode, life took us in a different path. It had different plans for us what we were going to share and what was going to come up today than what we had planned, but we went with it. I mean, I basically scrapped my whole outline and all the questions I yeah. had for you. And I know you did too, but right. I just we'll was like, you know what? Next time. Yeah, but we're on it. We're going with it and it felt right. And I just really feel that I, I know people got benefits. So Sarah, are there any final words you want to say before we close? Um, read more books before 1985. Mm. And do some more artwork. Sarah's holding up a picture for those that are watching on Fit Amy TV on YouTube. It's, it looks like it's not complete yet, Sarah. You want to describe it real quick oh, for people that is, are listening? This is me. This is my latest one that I've been working on. This is my little art space. She's an unbelievable artist, everybody. I'm not kidding you. Probably the best I've seen that's not professional. But she's unbelievable. This is called Marrying the Shadow. 
Cool. So this it's is a, the feminine and the masculine. It's a person. Oh, and it has a wolf in it. And, and the person's holding some kind of sword spear. Yeah. So she's part, uh, part feminine Yeah, that's so and cool. part masculine. I want to put that with the, the, sh- the show notes. Uh, look, I mean, can you guys, I'll you have send to you go- a snap of it. Yeah, please do. Yeah. And you've got to go on YouTube to watch just the end here to see that picture. Yeah. She's an unbelievable artist. But that's wow. how I kind of keep tapped in. Cause I am a masculine woman. So I, I always my have painting. connection to my plants, mm-hmm. nature and my painting. Yeah. So as Me long too. as I'm doing those things, I don't mind being all my masculine. Yeah. yeah, me too, Sarah. The the nature and painting have been two major, major, major feminine outlets for me. And also dancing, right. music and dancing for me has been very powerful for me to get into my feminine. So, oh my gosh, I just could keep you here all day. We could keep yeah. going, but tell people how they can find you and any websites oh. or anything you want to point out. Yeah, go check out um, theprimalpride.com. You can also find me at uh, the... Uh, oh, primalfusionhealth.com and on Instagram, uh, the wise, uh, wise women dot rise. Yes. Not the, yeah. Just wise women dot rise. Yep. And that will be in the show notes for anybody driving or multitasking right now. Like so many of us do when we listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. So just pop okay. on over to the show notes. I'll <laughs> be in there. Um, and there'll be a lot of the YouTube channel notes as well. Wow. Sarah, 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 thank you so much, Alice, Sarah. <laughs> and I already can't wait to have you on the show again. Yes. All right. Yeah. Go read books before 1985 and get a, get some real juicy stuff in your, in your mind and in your heart and go spend some time out in nature, go soak up the sun, let the wind fly in your face and uh, just turn off the news, turn off social media and learn something new and just do something you enjoy and laugh. And yeah. Yeah. Tap into your heart and just be. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Sarah, thank you, thank you again. Thank you everyone for watching and listening and we'll see you next time. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at FitAmyTV, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also FitAmyTV. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.